Hello and welcome back to the Help in the 34th podcast. My name is Lacey Kennett. I am the Director of Communications for the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. And what we have for you today is a bonus episode that we promised in our last episode. So in our last episode, we recapped the Rally for Can Care expansion that took place on March 15th. 2023. And we had some interest in having the full audio of the rally available. And so we wanted to go ahead and make that available for you here today. The rally lasted about an hour. If you are interested in hearing the full audio, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy. And thank you so much for listening. And we will be back with another episode soon. Enough 
to rejoin or remain in the workforce and help Kansas compete economically with our neighbors, all of which have expanded eligibility for their Medicaid programs already. have adopted expansion, our neighboring states are better equipped than we are to face the latest challenge in health coverage as well. During the COVID-19 pandemic, there was a continuous coverage provision in Medicaid, which meant that no one receiving Medicaid could lose that coverage during the public health emergency. That continuous coverage ends this month and as a result, approximately 100,000 Kansas adults will lose their health coverage over the next year. We're going to hear from an impressive list of speakers today who will tell you why expanding CanCare is important to them, to the work they do, and to the people they serve every day. I want to thank Rachel O'Flanagan and Joseph Cam for creating the art installation in the CanCare expansion photo booth in the rotunda. Each star in the piece represents 32.5 individuals who signed a petition urging policymakers to enact CanCare expansion. We also have a visual representation of the nearly 10,000 Kansans who have signed on to demand that the legislature expand CanCare. If you haven't already been to that, to take your picture with that art uh, installation, I hope you will. It's around the corner. And now it's my honor to kick things off by introducing our first speaker, the governor of the great state of Kansas. accountability. She has made it her life's work to fight for children and families as a four-term state senator and now in her second term as the 48th governor of the state of Kansas. In her first term, Governor Kelly worked with both parties to balance the budget, fully fund schools, repair the state's infrastructure, and reform the child welfare system. Governor Kelly was elected last November. She has set a North Star for her second term to make Kansas the best place in the country to raise a family and has prioritized expanding affordable health care, supporting early childhood development, and continuing to spread prosperity to every corner of the state. Governor Kelly has been a strong supporter of expansion since she was in the state Senate and we are so grateful for her work to make expansion happen in Kansas. Please help me in welcoming Governor Laura Kelly.
sure it was the first rally, but it certainly was one of the early rallies. And I was in this room over here, 282, uh, at a Senate Democrat caucus. That's where we go to meet before uh, we go. Is this the real mic? Okay. Anyway, I just saying, I was over in the Senate Democrat caucus room uh, prior to going up to the floor to debate and vote. Uh, and that's where we sort of pick through the bills. And you all were having a rally right here. And there was somebody speaking who was bringing the crowd to their feet uh, multiple times. So I came out the door to see who this was. Uh, and it turned out to be David Toland, who is now the Lieutenant Governor of the city of Cambridge. so that you know I am not alone in pushing really strong, really hard uh, for Medicaid expansion. You've got a great team uh, here in the Capitol uh, working on it. So I just want to say good afternoon to everybody. I am so impressed uh, with the size of this crowd. Uh, it is great to be with you uh, to talk about why we've got to expand Medicaid here in the state of Kansas, not that any of you don't already know. You know, I, I know that this issue is personal to many of you. You know, whether you're one of the 150,000 Kansans who falls in the coverage gap, or you're one of our medical professionals providing excellent care uh, to our Kansans, or you're from a rural community, the failure to expand Medicaid affects just about everybody in our state. The arguments you've heard for expansion are simple, and I'm sure you've heard them from me before. We should help those without coverage access care. We should protect our rural hospitals from closing, and we should expand, not shrink, our healthcare workforce. Yet a select few in the legislature continue to block expansion, going against the wants and needs of their own constituents. I've introduced a bill to expand Medicaid every single year since taking office, and each time it has been rejected by Senate and House leadership. In 2019, the House passed my first call for expansion only for the Senate to block any debate or vote. For the next three years, I continued to call for Medicaid expansion, but as you all are well aware, those calls went unanswered. Every expansion bill I have introduced was custom tailored to address the concerns expressed by opponents. I was told, we can't afford it. It benefits able-bodied adults. It must include reinsurance. Despite there being solutions to each of their concerns, opponents to expansion would not budge. But I haven't let those roadblocks stop me from continuing to advocate for Medicaid expansion because it remains the most common sense way to help our state in so many different ways. Let's start with access to care. Expanding, expanding Medicaid would help 150,000 hardworking Kansans access health care, including our military veterans and their families. Expansion would also allow us to provide better care for people with mental illness. You know, a recent study <laughs> a recent study ranked Kansas last in the country on access to mental health services 
and the rates of mental illness. We must expand Medicaid to ensure Kansans struggling with mental health have access to the quality care they need and that staff have the resources to adequately care for Kansans seeking mental health care. Expanding Medicaid is also good for our economy. It would create over 23,000 jobs and put to use the over $6 billion of taxpayer dollars we've left on the table in Washington, D.C. Right now, we're in the midst of a health care workforce shortage as our medical professionals leave for higher pay in neighboring states that have expanded Medicaid. That expanded Medicaid. Expanding Medicaid would give our hospitals more resources to hire and retain healthcare workers. And finally, Medicaid expansion is essential to protect our rural hospitals and our communities. Of Kansas's 105 hospitals, 75 are vulnerable to closure. That's over 70% of our hospitals in Kansas at risk of shutting their doors. The loss of a hospital in a rural community not only impacts our rural residents' ability to access care, for many rural communities, hospitals serve as the economic hub, and losing them means losing those workers that power the community. Given the impacts on health care, the economy, and rural communities, it's no wonder every single other state surrounding us has expanded Medicaid and others, other Republican-led states like Nebraska, South Dakota, Iowa, and beyond. We have, in fact, North Carolina is on the verge of expanding Medicaid right as we speak. And that Democrat governor has about the same kind of legislature I have, so we know it can be done, but it's not. So, many of us already agree. In fact, we've heard 72 to 78 percent of Kansas regardless of political party, want Medicaid expansion. There's support for it across the aisle in the state legislature, too. We just have to make sure legislative leadership gets the message and gets the bill onto the floor for debate. Like me, I know many of you in this room have been fighting for Medicaid expansion for years. I know it can be frustrating, but you must keep up the fight. Don't give up. I will keep fighting right along with you. Expansion will be life-changing for our communities and our state as a whole. It's time to get it done. Go do it. Chandra Dixon. I'm a writer and teacher from Wichita. And I'm here today in memory of my mother, Joanne Dixon. As a single mother, my mother worked long hours in the service industry that did not provide health insurance. She always and she never qualified for Medicaid. And because of these factors, she never had full, inclusive access to health care. My mother had chronic asthma and later in life also developed diabetes. Because of her inability 
to access affordable insurance or qualify for Medicaid, she would often put her healthcare needs last. It was always a struggle. She tried when she could to receive healthcare at local reduced local clinics, but appointments were often booked weeks out. When her conditions became dire and she had no choice, she would visit the ER. This made our life extremely hard at times. When Medicaid expansion was included in the Affordable Health Care Act, my mother thought she would finally have an opportunity to be insured and receive routine health care. But Kansas didn't expand Medicaid. It was a devastating heartbreak to my family. She did not make enough to qualify for insurance through the ACA. And she, like 150 other Kansas, 150,000 other Kansans, fell in the healthcare gap. In early 2016, my mother was having a hard time breathing again, and she went to a local clinic. A few days later, the doctor called and wanted her to have a CT scan because the x-rays were concerning. But since she didn't have insurance, there were more hoops to jump through and more calls to make. After waiting weeks for an appointment for a CT scan, a month later we still did not have the results and she couldn't breathe again, so I rushed her to the ER. Sorry, this is really hard. The intern that was treating my mother called an oncologist after I pressured her to, and the oncologist read her CT scans, did some blood work, and the next day gave my family the devastating news. My mother had non-Hopkins lymphoma mantle type B, which is a rare and aggressive form of lymphoma. She was referred to a specialist who told her with treatment the outlook was good and he wanted her to start chemotherapy the next day. But she couldn't. When he found out she didn't have insurance, he gave her two choices. She could pay $500 a week or she could wait until she was approved for disability. My mother was a waitress and worked in an office. She didn't have $500 a week. And I, too, am a single mother. I did not have $500 a week. It wasn't until my friend stepped in because she saw the decline of my mother that she loaned us $500 so my mother could start treatment. But it was too late. My mother died eight days later after her first chemo treatment from a cancer that is generally considered cur curable. I know if my mother had qualified for can care, she would have gotten the routine health care that she desperately needed, and that she would still be here with myself and my daughter. She would have been there the day I married my husband. She would have been there the day I started this beautiful new job I have now. She was 62 years old. 
I miss her every single day. And I tell her story in memory because she would want me to. Because we would not want any other Kansan to go through what my family went through. Thank you. Good afternoon. We certainly are very grateful to be here once again. And uh, what I, um, I'm a black Baptist preacher, so standing in front of a crowd like this with a microphone, that excites me. So what I need y'all to do is talk back to me for these few four, four minutes that I have. Amen. Now, after a story that this young lady has shared with us, I want to let you know that today is a good day to be here at the Capitol talking about Medicaid expansion, CanCare expansion. If you're here today for that, let's make some noise so they can hear it. That's what I'm talking about. My name is the Reverend Dr. Bobby Love. I am the proud senior pastor of the historic Second Baptist Church in Olathe, Kansas, where I've had the privilege to serve my congregation for the past 33 years. I'm also the organizer for Faith and Democracy, the table uh, of clergy table of color for More Squared, and I'm indeed glad to be here for this reason. Over the years of my pastoralship, I have watched people down through the years from all walks of life. I have prayed with families who have had catastrophic health challenges and trying to navigate uh, getting coverage, access to health care. And we're very pleased to hear what our honorable governor has shared with us on today but I'm a preacher, and I got a story that I need to tell you. It is a story that you'll find if you're a scholar, a Bible scholar found in the book of Luke. Luke was a physician, and I think his words resonate with us on this occasion today. And if you would look when you get home in Luke chapter 4, you find that Jesus himself, takes on the mantle of telling everyone, his audience, that he has been equipped to provide good news, good news to the brokenhearted. He uh, was equipped to share the good news to those uh, who were captive and to provide healing, to provide, uh, if you will, sight to the blind. Now, if Jesus says that he is equipped to do that, and as a Baptist preacher, and if you are, uh, have any type of heart at all, then I think you will resonate with this next story. It is in the book of Luke. And for the balance of my next three minutes, I want to share with you to read chapter 10. 
Chapter 10 tells a very familiar story of an individual who found himself among thieves who had stripped him and robbed him and wounded him and left him for dead. And you know what? Those who were in a position to help, a priest came by. He walked by the other side. A Levite came by, and he did the same thing. And just as we have heard today, there are those who are in this house walking by on the other side. Amen. Talk back to me if you can. We have Kansans right as we speak, as we're at this rally today. There are those who have been left wounded. There are those who have been stripped. And there are those that are in need of a healing. What have they been stripped of? They have been stripped because they've been hijacked, if you will, uh, by rising health care and no access. They have been wounded by those who sit in offices at this place who are standing in the way who refuse, let me say it again, who refuse to provide help. And we're here today, if you will, to say that enough is enough. Let's get this done. Let's be like the Good Samaritan. And finally, the last person that came to help this individual is a no-name individual. It's called the Good Samaritan. He's no-name because that could be any of us in this room. Talk back to me if you can. But you know the difference of the Good Samaritan and those who were in a position to help that didn't? They had a heart. They had compassion. They had a caring soul. So those who are standing in the way, let us serve them notice to let them know that it's a good day to do the right thing. Let's get this path. God bless you and God keep you and let us continue to fight. If you're at this place to support Medicaid expansion, make some noise. Coming from a family of Baptist preachers, yes, sir. I don't know how to go behind him. I know how they feel now when you go behind a really, really, really strong pastor. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you, April Holman and the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas for the tireless effort you've continued to make toward expanding access to health care for more Kansans by advocating tirelessly for expansion of our state's CanCare program. I am Sonia Backus. I serve as the Chief Executive Officer of Community Care Network of Kansas. We are the state's primary care association serving uh, 32 health centers and community-based clinics by providing, and providing care at nearly 100 sites across the state of Kansas many of which are federally qualified community health centers. 
I am so honored to be among these speakers today, including Governor Kelly and others, whose support of providing more Kansans with access to CanCare has been tireless and unwavering. The reason that the health clinics and centers in our network exist is to ensure that high quality health care is accessible to all Kansans. We believe that health care is a right, it is not a privilege. We stand for better access because so many Kansans lack access to the care they need. Thousands and thousands of residents go without care they need because they don't have health insurance, they can't afford the cost of care on their own. Some can't access care because health professionals are not even available in their area. And they can't travel to the nearest provider because it's too far and they have barriers. In other cases, there are health providers who are unable to staff well enough to meet the demand that's there. Community health centers and clinics actually meet some of this demand for high quality care for those who might not otherwise be able to access it. These providers do so efficiently and at lower cost than most health centers, excuse me, most, most other health providers organizations. Our collective of members provide care to one in nine Kansans, including services of primary and preventive health care, integrated behavioral health care, dental, and in some centers, even vision care. Many of these health centers provide other supportive services, including, but not limited to, care coordination, food pantries, medical legal services, and linkages to specialty care and other social services as provided, as, as, as necessary, excuse me. While we recognize that there are many ways to provide equitable access to care, and community health centers and clinics are already doing so, I ask you to consider these points. And Reverend Love, I have three. You know that's the, that's the trend. But I bet you're asking, why would you tell us all the things you're already doing and then talk about why it's so important to expand can care? I'm glad you asked. Number one, community health centers and clinics right now provide more than $53 million annually in uncompensated care. Expanding access to care through CanCare would reduce this number significantly and ultimately it would allow our health centers to provide more services to more Kansans who need this care. Second, many of the patients that community health centers and clinics serve are those who are caught in that coverage gap. Access to services through CanCare would help those Kansans tremendously. And realize some of these individuals, as you've heard from the, the gripping story that we heard from the young lady just a little bit ago, they have to choose between their routine daily expenses and much needed healthcare and medications. Third, and finally, federal dollars are available to support expansion of access to healthcare through the CanCare program and those dollars would not only help provide coverage to more Kansans, it would bolster the state's economy through direct federal dollars, and more importantly, it would support a much healthier workforce to fuel the industries that we continue to bring throughout this state, including the healthcare workforce. For these reasons, expanding access to care through CanCare is the most significant step our state could take 
to provide access to high-quality care for more Kansans. Community health centers and clinics, Community Care Network of Kansas, as value provi valuable providers of care in Kansas, supports expanding equitable access to health care. And we are united for health, equity, and justice. Thank you. Okay, well, I've never been accused of being quiet, so we're just going to go ahead and boom this out. So uh, I'm Sherry Coatney. I'm from Southeast Kansas, and I represent people with disabilities. So most people have used that as a tool to say, that's why we can't expand Medicaid. We're going to be stealing from the people with disabilities. That's false. It's a lie. There are people with disabilities. Hello. Hello. Medicaid. But there are people that are caught in that gap, and we all know that. And we, the 8 out of the 10, who obviously are here, right? Yes, that's right. We know. We know about the 150,000 Kansas that need this Medicaid expansion. We know that closing of hospitals is a reality. I live in Southeast Kansas. We've lost three, three rural hospitals. Well, we could have expanded Medicaid and saved those hospitals and the economic income that comes from having those hospitals and jobs. This is not news to you guys, because you guys are the supporters. So we do need to send a message, and it takes all of us, working tirelessly. We've got to be the Good Samaritan. There ain't no doubt about that. And I'd like my crowd to talk back to me, too. All right? So we're going to wrap it up a little bit, and I'm going to ask you, what do you want? And you're going to say, Expansion. Oh, there it is. Expansion. When do you want it? Now. What do we want? When do we want it? Now. What do we want? Expansion. When do we want it? Now. That's right. And there's no reason we don't have it. None. What we have. That's right. And what we do have is we have a bunch of stubborn people who are working and working, trying to get this common sense piece of legislation passed. 
We are throwing money away. I mean, how stupid do we look at Kansas to leave nine out of ten dollars on the table? Dumb! But we are not dumb. We are not. We are proud Kansans. But we have some people standing our way. And this is what I have to say to them. Shame on you. What do you have to say about it? Shame on you. What do we say? Shame on you. I am so proud to be a part of this group. Because I know we are the warriors. We're going to remove that barrier. And there's a couple ways we can do it. If they can't get the rocks out before this session is over, then we got to start telling all of our brothers and sisters. we got to ignore their stupid letters to the editor that are filled, filled, filled with misfacts. Right? we got to tell our stories to the editor. we got to tell our stories to our neighbors. we got to get people riled up and, and mad. We need to be mad. It's not okay. This is shameful. My sister was diagnosed with cancer last year. I went with her to the specialist. And you know what he said? Well, you need an aggressive plan. So you gotta get out there and figure out how to get health insurance. Because she's a personal care attendant. And she doesn't have health care. She doesn't qualify. She's in the gap. She has no treatment plan. It's been a year. She still has no treatment plan. Not okay. It pisses me off. I'm mad. I'm angry. And I know how each and every one of you guys feel. When I was listening to your story about your mother, I knew where the end was going to be, because obviously you, you let us know in the beginning. But man, it was, it was tearing my heart. Tears my heart. How can these people be so cold? How can they be so cold? Again, we're going to say, what do we want? Expansion. We want it now. Ready? What do we want? Thank you. Everybody in the room who would love to follow a speaker like that, raise your hand. Wow. I need to take a breath. Actually, this is really exciting. Since we've been sitting up on the front row, I had no idea how many people were here. So from up here, this is an amazing vantage point, and I must insist on uh, taking a quick little selfie. But I really have no idea. Why don't you cheer for my phone? For this Thank you. Amazing. What an amazing afternoon. <laughs> it's kind of a shock to turn around. I'm Curtis Sneed, and I am the president of the Greater Topeka Chamber of Commerce. You may be wondering why a chamber guy is standing before you talking about can care expansion. I mean, business is thriving. Surely this is someone else's problem. Of course not. I'm standing before you because my members who are business owners and the business leaders who form my board of directors have long since connected the dots on this issue. Just like thousands of business owners and other local chambers across the state of Kansas have, this state's failure to expand can care, put simply, is bad business. And it's bad for business. Let's think about that. In most of our communities, our hospitals, our healthcare systems, are some of our largest employers. They're also critical components of our economies. In our smaller communities, the threat of losing your hospital presents an existential threat to those communities themselves. Placing the burden 
of uncompensated care on our healthcare system, when the solution is so straightforward, that's bad business. Every day when I talk to business leaders, with very few exceptions, they tell me that the thing that they worry about most, the one thing that keeps them up at night, is their ability to find good help, to stay staffed up. Now, it doesn't take a social scientist to imagine that if you are one of those unfortunate individuals who doesn't earn enough to, or you earn too much to be eligible for uh, Medicaid, but you don't earn enough to afford your own insurance, and you fall in that gap, chances are, when you show up to work, you're not presenting your healthiest, most productive face. God bless you, but that's a great possibility. Chances are you're not accessing the sort of routine preventative care that many of us take for granted that help you ensure that you're showing up to work healthy and happy, hopefully. And chances are you're not receiving the attention to your mental health the way almost all of us should be. To ignore those 150,000 Kansans when the solution is so straightforward, that's no way to develop your workforce. That's bad business. Not only do Kansas businesses need healthy workers, we need a lot more of them. And on top of that, Competition for the talented individuals we already have in this state is getting tougher and tougher. All of the states around us have expanded Medicaid. We are at high risk of losing our neighbors to our neighbors. And to stand by and let that happen and let our businesses worry about keeping the good employees they've already got is bad business. One last thought, you know, tax day is about a month away. We've all been paying money to the federal government for the last 10 years. We've been helping fund the system back there. Not a dime of that has come back to Kansas. You'll be delighted to know you're helping subsidize programs in California, New York, and now all of the states around us. Leaving $6.2 billion in Washington, D.C. is bad business. I work with a man who, who has a phrase, he says, don't hear what I'm not saying. <laughs> We've heard some incredible stories today, stories that would break all but the coldest of hearts. My focus has been on business. Don't hear that to mean that my members and I, or business owners all across the state, aren't as concerned about the moral implications of this issue as you are, or the heartfelt stories that we're hearing. I've portrayed this issue to you through the lens of business because I would like to try to make it clear to you that organizations like mine have been supportive of expanding CanCare since this became an issue. We are tired of the fight. It is time to bring this to a victorious conclusion, and we are working to forge a new type of voice, a louder voice, 
so that once and for all this issue will have its day in court here. It is, it is time to get down to business and it is time, long past time, to expand CanCare. Thank you very much. Good afternoon. Can you hear me in the back? Nope. I'll have to lean down. Is that better? Okay, very good. So my name is Dr. Roy Jensen, and my day job is uh, Vice Chancellor and Director of the University of Kansas Cancer Center. But that's not the direct reason why I'm here. I am here because I am on the American Cancer Society Cancer Action Network national board and one of our highest priorities is to expand Medicaid in the remaining 10 states that have not done so. Now obviously I'm going to focus uh, my remarks on um, cancer patients and a few facts that I find absolutely astounding when you're talking about cancer care and Medicaid expansion. And the first fact is that if you are unlucky enough to be without insurance of any type on the day that you are diagnosed with cancer, Five years from that date, there is a 50% decreased likelihood that you will be alive. That's an astounding statistic and is a moral indictment of not expanding care. A couple of more statistics I want to throw out there is that for lower income women in states that have expanded Medicaid, you are 25% more likely to receive a screening mammogram than low income women in states that have not expanded Medicaid. I want to tell you a story about a young woman who I work with who uh, I had a very difficult conversation with driving over here today. And I had to tell her about her new diagnosis of breast cancer. Luckily, she can afford health care. She does get mammographic screening. 
and her breast cancer diagnosis was caught at a very early stage. And there is a very high likelihood that she will do well. And we should all be grateful for that. But women who do not have access to mammographic screening are not so lucky. And I'm going to give you a couple of more facts to illustrate why it is such a huge issue. In states that have expanded Medicaid, cancer diagnoses are nearly three and a half percent more common. And that's because they're catching them. They're still there in the states that have not expanded Medicaid, but in states that have, they're being diagnosed and they're being treated at an earlier stage when the women have, are much more likely to survive from their disease. Don't we want that for every woman in this country? Now, another startling statistic, and this is, this is all patients, not just for cancer patients that would qualify, but for lower-income individuals in states that have expanded Medicaid, they have a 6.1% reduced mortality rate. This is about saving lives. And it's a measurable difference, and we need to get past the politics and make this happen. students. Now, not so much. When I finally woke up and realized that over 150,000 working Kansans were being denied health care when I thought that had been accomplished with the Affordable Care Act, I was furious. And I decided to become an advocate for Medicaid expansion in the state of Kansas. defines an advocate as someone that uh, believes in a cause. Well, I believe all people should have health care. They say an advocate is someone that proposes a course of action. Well, I propose that our legislature make Medicaid expanded. I'm an advocate, so on beginning of the legislative session in 2022, I jumped into the fray. 
And I did everything they told me to do to support the cause and to promote the course of action. And I ran into brick wall after brick wall. I got really frustrated. And then something happened that changed everything. Now, I think Webster is only partially correct about what an advocate is, because it, to me, it should be an advocate is someone who supports a cause, promotes a course of action, and speaks for the ignored. A year ago, some friends and I came to Topeka to be a part of the eight and 10 day at the State House, sponsored by the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. And they gave us these empty t-shirts. As I walked these halls, people, all kinds of people, docents, aides, secretaries, legislators, I, I think they were legislators, they looked important, took notice. Hey, I like your shirt. Yeah, I think they ought to do that too. Keep up the good work. And then it hit me. Now I am an advocate for Medicaid expansion and I am speaking for the ignored. To be an advocate, I must do three things. Number one, I must know the facts. And the facts must come from reliable and respectable resources, not partisan political talking points. Yeah. Every time I get a chance, I say expandcamcare.com. That's where you find those facts. Number two, I must speak truth to power. But there's a trick to that, and I think my friend Arnita Howie says it best. When speaking truth to power, you must be kind, but be persistent. Like Moses to Pharaoh. Now, I'm not sure Charlton Heston was kind, but he was certainly persistent. And like Moses, one person with irrefutable facts, sound logic, and persistently letting their legislator know where they stand can change a vote. Maybe I will change my legislator's vote. Maybe you will change your legislator's vote. But I'll tell you it's a whole lot easier if there's a hundred or a thousand Moseses. So thank you, Governor Kelly, and any legislator that is here today for speaking truth to the power of the House and Senate leadership with your presence here. The public is another kind of power. I used to think 
that the way to change public's opinion was to write letters to the editor. And then an editor told me he wasn't going to print my letter. But he was going to make an article out of that letter for two reasons. Number one, it had important information that was of interest to the entire public. And number two, more people read articles than read letters to the editor. So now, I send letters to the editor to appeal to emotion, and I submit articles to prevent, present the facts. Number three, and this is the most important one for me, I must be steady. This is not an issue only from January to April. I must keep it alive and relevant all year long. And this t-shirt is my tool to do it. I'm sure you got me to I wear it to the state fair. I wear it to the grocery store. I wear it when I walk around my neighborhood. I wear it to legislative updates. And I guarantee you, people read this shirt. I've seen people slow down so they have time to read this shirt. And every time somebody reads this shirt, Canton's in the gap come alive, become real, and stay relevant. I am an advocate for Medicaid expansion in Kansas. I speak for the ignorers. Let me leave you with this thought. Recently, I attended a lecture series presented by a local college. And as I walked into the building, the greeter looked at me and said, oh, I like your shirt, but you're preaching to the choir. Here I am again, preaching to the choir. So I'm going to say to you what I said to her. If I'm preaching to the choir, then it's the choir's responsibility to sing loud enough that everybody outside can hear
that was our rally for can care expansion that took place in March of 2023. We hope you enjoyed listening to the full audio. As always, you can find more about the Alliance on our website, expandcancare.com. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, TikTok, and Instagram. And our handle on all of those platforms is at expandcancare. Please don't hesitate to reach out if you want to get involved. We have uh, lots of ways to get involved, including our Healthy Kansas Advocacy Community, as well as um, uh, our Steps to Expansion campaign initiative that is going on now. So tons of ways to get connected. Reach out to us if you'd like to find out more about what we do. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you next time. Health in the 34th is a podcast from the Alliance for a Healthy Kansas. We hope you'll take a moment to subscribe and share our podcast with others. Episodes written and produced by Marissa Alcatar and Lacey Kennett. Special thanks to our editor, Callie Holthouse. Episodes available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Join the movement and get involved. We're on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. For more information on the Alliance for Healthy Kansas, visit us at expandcancare.com.